0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck's the bulls? What the fuckin' ears? What the fuck, sticks? What the fucking What the fuck, Minster Fullers? How about the UK? What's going on, UK? I need one for the UK. The second season of Marin and IFC starts tonight in the United Kingdom on Fox. So uh if you're there, I'm just that's just off the top of my head. Welcome to the show, I'm Mark Marin. I just I feel like I don't reach out enough to my international listeners. I know that Marin season one is going to be in Australia soon. I'll try to get dates on that. I'll try to get in the loop on that. But it is on uh, season two starts uh, on Fox in the UK tonight. I just want to give you a heads up because I want you to feel like I'm leaving you out. I know that we get isolated over here uh, in this uh, in 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 here here in the states. There's a certain. entitlement that you may think that we have or we think we're special or whatever but i just uh, i don't always know what the hell is going on and and this morning is thursday my heart goes out to to those victims of the idea of ebola who are suffering today with uh with imagined symptoms Uh, i hope you i hope you guys are okay and obviously to the real victims uh i truly feel bad but let's let's talk about other things I mean that's heavy man. It's a heavy start. You you know these prehistoric bugs have had a vengeance for for billions of years and uh we've uh we've been lucky lately on the prehistoric bug front. Renegade strands of RNA looking to finish their job. So uh hopefully that'll get under control somehow. God damn it. Welcome is what I meant to say. Good morning if it's morning for you. Uh today on the show the 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 infamous, almost mythic Bob Rubin. Uh, If you don't know Bob Rubin, he was a San Francisco comic who who dominated that scene. Dominated it. By the time I moved to San Francisco in the late 80s or what was it? The early 90s. Bob had moved on. He was an occasional guest. but, uh, But San Francisco comedy was all about Bob Rubin. The Rube. For a long time. Powerful character. And many of you may not know who he is, and we'll talk about that. We're going to talk to the Rube. It's an interesting decision to make to become a broad character when you're doing comedy, to be a a bigger-than-life presence with a peculiar disposition and and outlook and vision. When you begin to have to wrestle with that character to maybe find what's left of yourself, it's an interesting uh, undertaking, not... Not many people do the full-on character, and you know what? It's never a full-on character, which I think we'll find with Rube in this conversation. Obviously, there's always part of you in it, and sometimes it gets hard to tell the difference between the two. The Rube, Bob Rubin, coming up up shortly, talking in radio voice today. What's going on with me? Let me give you a cat update, all right? Let me let's just get raw about it, all right? Cuz I know a lot of you people are, are in the loop with me on this with the monkey situation, with the uh, dick licking and uh, pain and and my fear and my projections about what's going on and then my you know, my exacerbating the problem with my fear. So what I've chosen to do with this cat he doesn't seem to be licking his dick anymore he seems to have leveled off he seems a little more fragile than he used to be but that might just be age he seems relatively healthy other than there's something wrong with his eye and now there seems to be something wrong with the other eye I'm just going to wait it out I'm actually going to take the advice of some vets that emailed me and some people out there I'm only going to feed the cat wet food I'm actually adding a bit of water to the wet food it's high end wet food I'm hoping that you know it'll keep him uh, overly hydrated and move things through his bladder since it is sort of an undiagnosed Diagnosed sort of uh, vague inflammation of the bladder with no crystals that we know of present. And I'm just going to love the cat the best I can. I can't forget that he was always a skittish cat. He was always fucking freaked out. See, like if I'm thinking he's freaking out more or he's freaking out less and that's a problem and I'm freaking out because of that, it just becomes this big sort of vortex of fucking anxiety. Meanwhile, Fonda, LaFonda is like, um, what's up? I'm just sitting around getting fat that's okay with you so that's an update on the cat situation and i i do want to report that uh, deaf black cat back back in the fold this morning as of this morning after a month-long absence deaf black cat decided hey maybe i'll go eat at that other place scaredy cat is back around looking healthy that cat i haven't seen in three months back eating the food, and I'm going to give him some fucking wet food because I want those guys around. I'll be the crack dealer in the neighborhood. I got no beef with that. Here you go. Have a nice bowl of wet food. I'll see you in a few hours, stray cat, crazy guy. So that's what's going on over here. Oh, oh, I should tell you about uh, a couple of exciting uh, encounters in New York City. So, all right. I do this show for the New Yorker. It was nice to be asked to do it. It was not. It was a. It was a good show. Me and Al Magical and Todd Barry and Patton and uh, Susie Esman and uh, Baron Vaughn was there and uh, Morgan Murphy and uh, right, whatever. It was a good show, great show. And then there's the New Yorker party. All right, so here's what happens. A couple of fairly interesting events happen. Um. I'm at the New Yorker party. It's a clusterfuck, but you know, it's like it's it's that sort of like that weird New York intelligentsia. I mean, the New Yorker is still you know a, a barometer or a a precedent or a whatever you want to call it. It's like the intellectual Alamo. They're they're holding out. They're the ones waving the banner of of uh, intellectualism in the world, and and it's it's not an easy task because uh, I subscribed to the New Yorker briefly. It just became too much pressure, but um, but nonetheless. I'm at this party, and there's a lot of young people, and I'm there, you know, uh, uh, Nick Kroll was there, I saw Ren is Easy there, and I'm hanging out with Todd and Morgan. And and, uh, and then I'm like, uh, oh my God, there's Gay Talese. You know, like these people that I remember from when I was a kid looking at the magazine, you know, you know he was a writer, and, and then, like I see, I'm up on the roof, I'm looking over Manhattan, and uh, and then I see an, an older dude come in, kind of stocky guy. He comes out and sits down. I'm looking at him and I'm like, holy fuck, that's Randy Newman. That's fucking Randy Newman. Now, I don't know what your context for Randy Newman is, whether you think he's just a guy that writes cute songs for movies, which would be a tremendous disrespect to the genius that is Randy Newman. Like his first five or six albums are fucking satirical masterpieces in, in some respects and, and musically beautiful. An amazing songbook, the Randy Newman uh, early stuff, and uh, so I see him, and I like I don't. This doesn't happen to me very often, but I start like stumbling. I'm like, like I gotta, wow, jeez, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say something, you know. So I kind of barge over there, you know, in a in almost a panic. And he's sitting there There's a woman standing next to him. And I'm like, Randy Newman, I'm I'm Mark Maron. Um, I'm a big fan. He's like, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm like, I have a podcast. I have a podcast. And I don't think I'm talking in this tone, but this is the tone that's happening inside of me. I'm like, I have a podcast. Could you, I would like to talk to you on the podcast. And he's like, well, you're going to have to call my, uh, you know what? And I'm like, oh my God, I just, I'm a big fan. And I'm just sitting there melting and, you know, you know, just kind of like imploding somehow. And the woman standing next to him says, uh, I like your podcast. I'm like, oh, my God. And, and literally, she is right next to him. And I say, is there any way you can get Randy Newman on the show? And he's standing right there. So it was not a, it was not a good showing for me, really. Uh, but it turned out it was his manager. So I'm going to reach out to her. I'd love to talk to Randy Newman. So that was pretty exciting for me, even though I made a complete fucking you know, ass out of myself. So then, you know, I decide to leave, you know, and I'm leaving. um, The uh, event, and I'm in an elevator, and I the elevator doors open up, and like a guy walks on, and he's got a hat, and he's with some other, he's, he's with another person. There's two other people, and he turns around, and it's Sting. I'm going into an elevator with Sting, and he's just exuding stingness. I think that's most of what he does. Is that you? You cannot help but feel. And when you see Sting, you are just, you are enveloped in a cloud of Stingness. You are, you are, you are, you are just, you're in it. You can feel his gaze. And he looks at me right in the eye and I knew the look because I don't care really. You know, I'm not going to get all excited about Sting, but your eyes do a thing when you acknowledge that you see somebody that, um, that is, you know, Sting. And I, I read in his eyes that like he lives for that. He lives for that moment where people go like, oh shit, that's Sting. Oh, there's Sting. I can feel it. I, get, I just, I know it. I mean, he, he saw my look and he's like, and I looked at him and, and all, I, all I felt from his look was like, yeah, yeah, I am him. I'm fucking Sting. Who are you? Not registering, that's for sure. You're not Sting. <laughs> so, so I turned my back on Sting and I overheard a conversation. It was very interesting. You know, and I kind of I kinda iced Sting because, you know, in my mind, I, I wanted him to feel stung. So I turned my back on Sting and I overheard him talking to what must have been a publicist or something. And I don't like to do this. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but apparently he's got some sort of new show and he's having this uh, conversation about this guy, about, you know, where they should promote the show and how they should promote the show to sell tickets. And I'm thinking like, really? Sting? And then I actually heard him say, it's like the challenge is to succeed against, the challenge is to succeed against the odds. And I'm thinking like you're fucking Sting. Didn't you win? Aren't you didn't you I, I mean you don't you have like a billion dollars and the ability to fuck for 12 hours straight? I mean, what, what what I don't I guess people just feel like they have to keep they have to keep plugging along, which is great. I it's I guess, I don't know. I I haven't been keeping up with Sting, but apparently there's a tremendous market of international fans and middle-aged women that enjoy what he does still. So anyways, uh i guess the point is i did not ask sting to be on the podcast but i did ask randy newman because that's where that's who i am so strap yourself in here we're going to talk to the rube it was a pleasure to talk to bob rubin i had not seen bob rubin in many years and i'm glad bob rubin is doing well but it's a hell of a story so uh listen up you all right with those i don't know why people have a problem with the headphones
1: Uh, my head's gigantic, man. I've seen. I ran into a chapeau shop with a friend of mine. Yeah. And that's the only way I would have ever been seen in a chapeau shop. I don't even know what a chapeau shop is. You know, a hat shop. Oh, a hat a hat shop. A hat shop. Yes, sir. My friends like we're riding around in his Porsche. Yeah. With the top down. Right. We could have just left it at that. Mm -hmm. Riding around Hollywood with the top down, with my giant head already, I look like an Art Deco logo. Yeah. (laughs) With my arms hanging out both sides. Mm -hmm. He's a little fella. Mm -hmm. You want to know who it was? Who? Rob Schneider. Sure. He's a little fella in that Porsche. He goes, I got to buy a hat. I said, you don't have to buy a hat. You've got a nice house. you got a Porsche. (laughs) A couple movies doing well. You don't have to buy a hat. Yeah. Now give me the keys to this car and let's go for it. And uh, we ran in and these two guys came running right at me oh we gotta measure your head
0: yeah <laughs> you measure the head they
1: were freaked out by like, what about eight? i went a little well, bit over eight a eight.
0: Little, little, little over eight that is big fucking head man yeah i know so we i'm trying to think like i feel like i just missed you when i got to san francisco is that possible or maybe you were you were you were off the grid perhaps uh what were you like 92 93 are we recording sure
1: you're tricky. Yeah, it's not that tricky. No, I know. But I thought you'd give me a three, two. Okay, hold
0: on.
1: You me, you? No, I don't that? need that. You, you want, me,
0: you want no. me to do that? Oh, it'd be fun, though. You, you know, me,
1: I, I haven't had a real job in so long, I wouldn't mind
0: it. You want me to do the real radio interview? The, the real, no, the, no. The radio setup? Like, no. Hey, folks, welcome. It's Bob Rubin. They Bob Rubin. Nah. Bob, the old Rube is
1: here. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. I'm a little good. rusty, man. I swear to God, nobody's asked me a question since 2008. Do you know any of the answers? That's that's not... No, I didn't. <laughs> that's not good, man. No. What, why Why don't... Why Nobody ask? asked me a question. I'm not kidding you. Really? They haven't asked me a question since 2008. Uh, I was subpoenaed by the FBI, but that doesn't count because that's a command.
0: What were they subpoenaing you for? We
1: command you to be at federal court in Oakland on uh, May... No, March. This happened last month. Really? Yeah. For what? Well, I... the funny thing is i'm not allowed to discuss it the second thing is i don't even know (laughs) so why would i discuss something i don't know i will tell you this sounds like you're in a little trouble to me bob i hope not but i will tell you this yeah uh hang on one second i'm gonna tell the audience right now i'm doing something that's a little bit technical okay i'm adjusting the mic
0: that was perfect beautifully done from my from where i'm sitting beautifully done you're a professional. I am, sometimes.
1: You're the best at this podcasting. Well, that. thank no, you very serious. much. No, you are. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to tell you later another reason why I brought that up. Okay. Well, I'll tell you later. Uh, I don't want to bounce all around the place, think like I'm yagged out on coffee or something. Well, here's what we're going to do. Okay. I think
0: what we should do is- Okay. Now, back when I moved to San Francisco in 1992- you know, I, mean, I was yeah, I was running from my own thing. <laughs> you know, I was chasing the dream. <laughs> so I get <laughs> yeah. So I get to San Francisco and then you know everyone's sort of like, Have you seen Ruben? Have you seen and by that time you you had you had drifted away somehow. It was like the the I'd gotten there right in like the heyday was over and they were wondering what was gonna happen, and they were like, Well, maybe it's all gonna turn around. And Bob Ruben was this mythic idea it was an idea bob rubin was one of the original san francisco guys from the original crew from the old days like early late 80s right
1: exactly yeah and
0: and it was like and then like the first time i saw you it was like what the fuck is this who the hell is this guy what is he doing no one does what he's doing why is he doing it well yeah well that's a question you've got to answer for yourself
1: all right i will okay
0: where'd you grow up though
1: why is he doing that? I grew okay. up in uh, West Virginia, Wheeling, West Virginia, you know, and I had the hillbilly thing in me. Uh, what does that mean? Uh, this is a hillbilly thing. I had that in me the you, whole time. Man. You grew up with that?
0: Yeah. Like what? Like what? On a, Did you grow up in a rural situation?
1: Everything was pretty much rural. Well, they uh, used to have the canaries that go down in the mines. Sure. And if the canaries pass out. Yeah. Then... You don't go into mine because there's not enough enough oxygen. Oh, is that what
0: it is? Not a gas thing? It's an oxygen thing?
1: Well, it's actually a gas thing, Mm -hmm. so it makes it not enough uh, good mixture. Do you come from coal miners? No, no. I came from the people that raised those little birds. Come on. (laughs) I'm serious. You would check in. And then uh, when I was like, between the ages of three and five, I had to go in in a little cage and find out. If there was a good mix of oxygen and, and uh, CO and that's, carbon, that was your job
0: that your family gave you.
1: Yeah, a couple times I didn't come out, uh, but they resuscitated me. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't want to go. And that's into what this. made you funny. Well, you know, my parents said that they did that because they wanted to get me out of uh,
0: Virginia. They out did. Of, What's the real story though? What did your family? That do? is the
1: real story. Because it's they, like you, they when raised you, birds. Yeah, the the minor birds is what they were called. They did. Are you fucking with me? No, Ruben? I'm not.
0: Your right. your dad was in the canary business. Well,
1: I, you say it like it's something shameful. No, it's. <laughs> he was he was in the canary business. Okay, yeah, man, had, uh, big money. Okay, big money. <laughs> My grandpa he was in a, a saloon business, but somebody broke in, shot him in the head before I was even born. Is that true? That's true. Yeah.
0: They, what, what for? Do you know? A robbery oh it was just a robbery yeah but do you come from actual uh hill people
1: Um, uh, yes yeah but <laughs> you know uh the cousins table was always weird at the get-togethers you uh-huh. know for thanksgiving you know and you'd have to sit at the cousin tables and yeah. there was just there were like two of us yeah and we looked exactly the same Stop <laughs> it! come on is that true yes this is true <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. no, a lot of inbreeding, but you know it started in Poland, yeah I can't blame West Virginia a lot of the inbreeding started in the old country
0: you oh, like, your family comes from Poland,
1: Poland and Russia yeah Jew
0: yeah, you're a Jew that grew up in West Virginia but and you were brought up by a canary salesman,
1: yeah. And that's why, you know, I had stories to tell. Yeah. I said, head west, young man, you got a tale to tell now. Well, I broke the hillbilly barrier. Yeah. In uh, San Francisco.
0: But there, but is there a Jewish hillbilly? There seems to be more to the story.
1: Well, I'll tell you, can I tell you, the I, I'm not going to go into jokes here. I no, just, I don't want you to go into jokes. Uh, no, but I, can I tell you the one old joke from day one? Yeah. Since you just almost said it yourself. Go ahead. And I would say, yeah, if people had a hard time believing it, i go, No, um, I'm Jewish, and I'm from West Virginia. Yeah. That's kind of odd, Jewish hillbilly. It means I wasn't really circumcised. A rabbi just sort of whittled on me a little bit. (laughs) Boom! Boom. That's the old... uh,
0: Was that one of the first
1: ones? Well, I actually told that joke at a uh, seminar uh, held by city council, and I think that's the one where the hillbilly barrier was finally broken in San Francisco. Because before that, you had hip, you had Tragically Hip and you had hippies. And then you had, you know, people that came from Wisconsin to be comedians. Or you had people coming from New York, Chicago, L.A. And um, i tell you the other thing. I remember uh, uh, when I was going to school in Arizona, University of Arizona. And I was working on a school concert board. Yeah. And I went to pick up uh, Marcia Wallace. Yeah. And I picked her brain. I, I was picking her up at the airport, taking her to a concert. Yeah. And she was opening up for the bus boys. Right. minimum wage rock and roll remember that i do i remember them yeah me too man i love that show but she said something to me that uh i always remembered and she said get your chops at home does it matter yeah you know do a few years at home then you can run to la if you want
0: and where was home at that time in arizona or did you go back arizona to arizona was home so you, stay, you stayed in arizona
1: well yeah, I started doing a show there called the Comedy Corner mm-hmm. and we had a lot of fun. It was in the in the food court area in the student union. Yeah. And they had a little area there that you could go and eat your stuff. So yeah. it was just tables and chairs, but it was nice. It was layered. Yeah. And the stage was about a foot off the ground. A nice little mm hmm uh a nice little theater daytime 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 we do it at noon on friday i read about it it had been going on for maybe a year and a half and i read about it because they got an article about it in the uh uh, school newspaper so it wasn't your show you just started performing on i joined it i had audition. and uh
0: do you remember who the guys were any of them end up anywhere
1: i think a couple of them ended up being some comedy writers because the funny thing was, uh, I saw some mention about it, and I'm going, Oh, you know, on Wikipedia, this thing, and it had it Comedy Corner, uh,
0: Arizona. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. had
1: my name in the thing about, oh, some of the alumni <laughs> that have come out of there. And I saw that, and I just started breaking down, weeping, you know, 30 years, 40 years later. Why? Because of the alumni? No, oh, because I saw that, and, uh, and I'm like, Oh my God! I'm their, I'm their go-to guy for like the. You're the guy who made it. I'm the guy who made it, and like you got to take a look around my cockroach-infested studio and reconsider that Wikipedia paragraph. But Mark, I didn't come here to talk about that.
0: We can. So you, so okay. you grew up in rural West Virginia. Yeah, and, and then you got you went to college at the University of Arizona.
1: Yeah, University of Arizona. What did you
0: do in high school though? What were you? Are you were you a? Oh, mad, were man. you a madman? I was a madman. What kind of car did you drive? What kind of trouble was there to be had in rural West uh, Virginia? Well, I got. Were I, you in jail?
1: Yes, just once. But my dad, he uh, was a gynecologist, and he there were five magistrates, five judges. Yeah. And uh, one day I'm driving around with my friend uh, Jimmy Prescott and I don't know who else. And, uh, you know, we had our uh, quarts of Miller beer and uh-huh. our, our beer nuts. Yeah. And I'm up uh, up in the hills, this area called Ogilvy Park. Mm-hmm. So they had all these f- uh, forest rangers there. And I'm like, hey, Jimmy, watch this, and I start driving around the golf course, and then I, you know, go driving around the trap, sand trap. Go, oh, that was close, yeah, and then uh, up onto the green like, it, 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 it's in the hole, oh, yeah, and then boom, boom, at either side of me, man, uh, cops, uh, cops. And, and I just slammed it into reverse, man, and I start taking off.
0: You were, you were do actually in a high-speed chase in a golf cart on a course.
1: Not with- oh, a golf cart, in my in my car. Oh,
0: okay, okay. So-
1: Tearing up this golf course that was <laughs> yeah. designed by Robert Trent Jones. So
0: the instinct was to run. I like that, because yeah. you can't do that anymore, not with helicopters, but this is pre-helicopter. Well, so you thought like Duke's a hazard, yeah. uh, Smokey and the Bandit, you're going to get out. Mm-hmm. How long did that chase go on That's for?
1: exactly what it was. That chase went on for about... Well, from that point on, I slammed it in reverse, and that chase lasted about 10 minutes. They brought in two more sheriff cars. Ah, I thought I was gone, man. I made it up to the highway. Yeah. And they and they came at me from both sides and bumped me off to the side of the road, and uh, I'm standing there in handcuffs, and I see some friends of mine drive by, and I'm like, call my mom! Yeah. And, uh... Boy, that's a sad place to be in when you're going call my mom. Were you like 16? I 17? mean, I've been in handcuffs since then. so sure. you know, Recently, <laughs> and it's like call my ho- uh, call my mom. You're going to have to use one of those ghost radios. You know, <laughs> she's, she's not
0: not around anymore.
1: She, she's not around anymore. Either of your parents? Um, well, that's what they say. Yeah. I was I never actually saw the casket open. I mean, it's a Jewish funeral, but pine box, they,
0: baby. Your dad's still around?
1: No, but again, that's what they say. You yeah. know, they were I think they were embarrassed by what I did. So yeah. they could have faked their own the death. whole
0: thing, the entire life of what you did or
1: just, <laughs> just Yeah, like, it's whole thing, man. Do you
0: have siblings?
1: Oh no oh no no. I know you know they I got that cleared up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you have brothers and sisters? You know Brothers
1: and sisters? Yeah. I have two older sisters. Check this out, man. Yeah. One time my parents go on a vacation when I was eight years old. Yeah. And my oldest sister was uh, 11, 12. Yeah. And my grandma was staying with us. Yeah. So uh, we go to play a game, any kind of game, that you need to have a piece of paper to keep score on. So I looked around, you know, hey, here's a piece of paper. I grab it. And then she flips over the paper to see it was a special piece of stationery that she got for Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the late 60s, early 70s, that was a huge gift. Yeah. You know, instead of a smartphone. Yeah. And uh, she freaked out, man. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like, uh, Anthony Quinn grabbed a knife and came after me. It was like a fight between, uh, 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 Gauguin and, uh, Van Gogh and Van Gogh. Yeah. Kirk it was Douglas. Kirk Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Van Gogh and, uh, and Gauguin. And, um, that's what it was. And I ran for the bathroom. Mm. Cause between nine and 12, uh, I was smaller than them. Ran for the bathroom. <laughs> attacking the bathroom door with a knife. And my grandma, my poor grandma. Yeah. She didn't know what to do. Yeah. Now, this was the start of my parents' trip. Yeah. They came back 10 days later. Well, me and my older sister, we're not talking to each other. Yeah. Haven't since. Really? Can you imagine That's that? That's not true. No, oh, that is true, my friend. Wow. Yeah, can you imagine that? It's a long time, dude. Over station. I, I've reached out many times. Uh, there are people, I was, I came into uh, the family late. Um, you know, my dad was uh, pushing 50 when he had me. Yeah. So everybody was old or gone already. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Everyone was old all the time. So you're constantly going to funerals yeah. to where you're just like, uh, oh, another man, one gone. I'm just, I'm afraid to die now. <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone... When my grandma died, yeah. uh, uh, they, I had to be a pallbearer. You know, I was 12 years old. Yeah. That's too intense, man.
0: It is too I did that. I, don't th- I was at a, little, that age. a little older. It is intense.
1: Yeah, it's it's too intense. And then, um, you know, they're like, just do it. You're going to be bar mitzvah soon. You'll be lavished with pen and pencil sets and some cash and a yeah. BB gun. You'll get over it. Yeah. But that summer, uh, when the sun went down, it scared the hell out of me because uh, I thought I was going to die at night. And I used yeah. to go, when everybody went to bed, I'd get out of my bed and I'd go sit downstairs and I'd... And I look at things. I go, "That's the last thing you're ever going to see." That shelf. So you, the last thing so you, you, ever... you
0: were plagued with anxiety
1: at that moment. Yeah, but yeah. I'm fine now.
0: Yeah, no, I feel I, great. I know that fucking feeling. It's a horrendous feeling. I have it a little more now than I used to. This sort of, um, uh, you know, the 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 ang- going to sleep at night. Like, is this it? I mean, I'm 50. How old are you?
1: I just turned 53. So, April 7.
0: Let's track this thing though. So, all right. So you go, you leave uh, rural West Virginia, and I think we know now. That your father was a doctor,
1: that's right. Not Gynecologist, a, man.
0: Very different than a canary salesman. Um, <laughs> but but wait, I'll, I'll, I'll try to I'll, tr- I'll try to pick up the glean the facts against the
1: mythology. I will I will try to to wait. Deco- where did I slip up? You slipped up. How did you know he was a doctor? You tricked me. I didn't trick You're you. You're good, man. You said it, bro. I did. You said it. Uh oh. Yep. You you know when you said
0: it. When you want to know when you pulled the curtain back? Yeah, when I don't. Even... Yeah, you said it when you got into the car chase, and you know, you your dad knew some oh, judges. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, and, the,
0: and then You're the right. real Bob Rubin came out. I saw him.
1: You're good, man. God damn it! You're...
0: That's it. I'm walking out. Yeah, I'm walking out. <laughs> Revealed. Everyone knows my dad was a gynecologist.
1: But oh, so anyhow, the magistrate that was on duty on that Sunday, well, yeah. just so that my dad delivered five of his kids, so I walked. There you
0: go. <laughs> not bad having connections.
1: Nope. So all. you
0: stayed out of trouble. So so basically, you you know you, this
1: you, is tough, man. What is tough? Well, talking? no, not talking. It's oh. just so early. You know, I just I think the last time I was called upon. This isn't performing. This is just hanging out talking. You it know? is. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't. I don't like. You know, it's weird because I was. You know, knowing how how uh, your reputation precedes you, both comedically and and personally. And uh, and you know I don't yeah I don't I I missed most of what was the Bob Rubin experience right. in San Francisco because had you gone to L.A. already once by the time I got there? or Where well were
1: you? I had I had started to go to L.A. actually in '86 right you know and then I moved to L.A. the very last day of '93 so essentially it was right
0: there right when I got there you left
1: I did yeah right and essentially I I left the last day of '93 first day of '94. And then in the first two and a half weeks in 94, uh my girlfriend of 6 years dumped me. My dad died and then there was that big North, uh, Northridge earthquake. I remember that. So in my head I'm thinking, "Welcome to LA, son. This is Wait, it. This is going to be easy." <laughs>
0: oh! Boy, this is going to be easy. But let's talk about your class of uh, like, because at that time, so you started doing comedy a bit in Arizona, and then you go to yeah. us, you go to San Francisco, in what year? I go to San Francisco in '83. All right, so that you know, that's really the beginning of what became the defining modern comedy period for San Francisco. For San
1: Francisco, right? right. So
0: you got you got Dana Gould, you got Jake Johansson, you got Robin around, right? Yeah. yeah. You got Steve Pearl around. Uh-huh. You got Proops and Warren Thomas. Oh. You got Durst. You got um, Doctor Gonzo. Yeah. You got a uh, Pritchard. You got. Pritchard, yeah, yeah. I mean, like that is the crew, right? Yeah. Did I miss anybody? Probably. Schneider but, was coming. Oh, Rob Schneider, a yeah. Little, uh, a little later, probably.
1: No, actually, he was there. He was there because uh, he was doing uh, stand-up in high school. He lived in Pacifica.
0: Right, Sue Murphy, Ellen DeGeneres. Yep. Yep. Uh, Slayton, Kravitz. Slayton, Kravitz, Pearl. Uh, so that was like the golden age of fucking San Francisco. Did <laughs> I mention Dana Gould? Kevin Meany was there, right?
1: Kevin. Later? Uh, he no, would, he would come out. I think he pretty much was still Boston no, Kevin Meany did come out because he was a bartender at the Holy City Zoo after Robin Williams. As a matter of fact, uh, Robin Williams and um, Kevin Meany and myself were the last three bartenders at the Holy City Zoo that were comedians. So they're all they're all joking, especially when I came around, because, you know, Robin, great success. Kevin, just a little bit later, got that Uncle Buck. And then, um, so they're like, oh, I guess you're next. Right. No, <laughs> I'll fuck this up somehow. <laughs> Trust me.
0: <laughs> but but what like the style there? Because like you know you I don't know that you could have existed you know anywhere else other than San Francisco at that time.
1: No, I couldn't have existed, but I did go out and do my thing in places where they're like. I mean, I used to go to places where they're like, oh, they're not. They're never going to get you, but right. they did because I would just go out and ramble on, and the whole thing was I think probably brought from uh leftovers from the 70s and early 80s where he still had more larger than life type of characters being presented but i also had a lot of great humor to back it up and i wasn't using props or anything like that right but i did like in 86 i lost the tonight show i had it booked i was standing there eavesdropping when i did the audition at the uh, improv and my uh manager at the time went up to uh, i think it was jimmy brogan at yeah. the time and this was after he'd Who seen your a- manager uh, Bob Lacey, uh-huh. and uh, he came down. Uh, he got the he got the audition for me, and he came in there to rep me. And um, so I went in there, and you know the thing is, it's like make sure when you walk off stage, you did everything you you could. Yeah, because I knew back then, I knew my whole life. Just for the, if you don't get picked. Uh, just make sure it's because you didn't suck that night, right? Because I'll, okay. I'll tell you a quick story of when I did suck. Take f- your time. I'll, f- okay, I'll tell you a quick story when I did suck. But let me take your time. Let me. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick back then. So, but what?
0: But what happened on that audition?
1: Oh, the Tonight Show audition. Uh, blew the roof off the improv, and I did material. And uh, you know, which I don't necessarily always do. I did boom, 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 even snapped my fingers and said boom during the set, which can irritate people. Yeah, sure, but that's part <laughs> of it—persistence. Yeah, right. Yeah. It didn't—it didn't seem to bother anybody, <laughs> <laughs> and and many people afterwards were handing me buttered top hats. Yeah. There were large parades, but here's what happened. I'm I'm eavesdropping, and my manager he comes up to him uh, like an hour after my set. He goes, "Your boy's brilliant, man!" And he's and he's still reciting material that I did. Yeah, because he remembered it. I'm like, "Oh, this is good." And he goes, "Oh," and, and my <laughs> manager opens up a, a calendar and he's like, "Well, let's book him right now." And he goes, uh, "Call me tomorrow," and then he called him. He called him uh, Monday, and uh, and and the guy said, to him, "Yeah, I definitely want to book him on the show." And then two weeks go by, nothing happens. My manager called him up, said, and the guy said to him, well, yeah, you know, we want to put him on Johnny, but so what's with the character? And my manager's like, what do you mean, what's with the character? He said, well, what's with the hair and the cowboy boots and all that? That's when you had that giant mullet bouffant thing. Uh, yeah, I was in, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, well, those movies with Mel... With, uh, Danny Glover, Mel Gibson. Yeah, what were those movies called? The uh, Legal Lethal Lethal Wep- Weapon hair. Yeah, yeah that's what that's I had. Right. Man. The Mel
0: Gibson Lethal Weapon hair. <laughs> yeah. No, you were a big. Uh, you were a big boy, big guy, with a big man, beard, big hair.
1: Yeah, big boots. Yeah, man, and uh, people. I guess that. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't see what the big deal was because that was not that far removed from some great character comedians
0: well who are the guys that who are your guys coming up that that inspired you to do whatever it is that you do i mean i know what you're talking about character comedians and i know that they don't you don't yeah at some point they stop being around right right who were those guys growing up sure
1: growing up i loved professor erwin cory
0: yeah that makes sense
1: i loved steve martin yeah I love Robert Klein. hmm I
0: loved Bill Cosby. Corey's still alive, you know. He's like almost 100. He's gonna I turn didn't know a, that. He's going to turn 100 this year.
1: Wow, Isn't man. is that crazy? Where does he live, in New York?
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'd love to see him. You should see him. Have you met him? No, I'd love to meet him. I, I think that makes perfect sense to me, that you are a legacy of Erwin Corey.
1: Well, yeah, and you know what? Um Brother Theodore. Yep. I and I was see on that. I was on the radio in New York with Brother Theodore. Were you? Yeah, and he shows up. And the first words out of his mouth, like we're sitting across from each other just like you and I were. And the first words out of his mouth were I look at you and I hate you. <laughs> I see you sitting there, such youthful big and you're all that hair i hate you this morning i woke up and i I looked out my bedroom window and i saw a rat garnished with tartar sauce and in my head i'm thinking all right here we (laughs) go baby let's toss around let's do dueling non-sequiturs because i was born born to do that you know but i love brother theodore when was that Hmm. Uh, that was in the eighties about when he, he had hit his pinnacle off of.
0: And you were just in New York doing a gig or something.
1: Yeah. So And, and had you, you knew of his shit before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You knew. I knew who he was. I was shit. a fan. I'd seen him on Letterman. He'd, yeah. come, up, he'd come up on Letterman and freak everybody right. out. He was a, he was a
0: trip man. And then he ran that one man show forever yeah. on 13th street. I think it was over by 13th and university, maybe somewhere yeah, around there. And,
1: yeah. And I used to hear all the funny stories about people the uh, culturally modern uh, hip people of that day, and and somebody would say, uh, I think this is a running gag too. That and the people didn't find out about it till years later, so they wouldn't tell anybody that they were there. But you know, celebrities like to let people know that they're there, like yeah. almost like have a press agent go in first and hand out flyers. They do do that.
0: They, they do. They do have to, uh, their publicists do that kind of stuff.
1: Like, yeah, you know, yeah. He's going to be there. Well, <laughs> well. Uh, what we're talking about,
0: brother Theodore? Who, yeah, brother
1: uh, Theodore, man. Who it, showed up
0: at the brother Theodore show?
1: Yeah, and he would find he'd find out about different people, and uh, he'd have him stand up. Oh, I understand that. Uh, uh, he had like Sandra Bernhardt stand up, right? And everybody clapped, and the first words out of his mouth: were, "I hate you." And then he would keep going off and <laughs> funny shit. And then you know, a lot of the people, somebody with a good sense of humor like Sandra, and then other people were like, "Oh, I want him." It, it became one of those things where. Please let him call my name out. And I want him to pick on me. I want him to hate me. I want him to hate me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, I could see Brother Theodore being a guy that was fucking mind-blowing to you. And Klein, too. I mean, Klein was sort of a a, a powerhouse. I mean, like, of just sort of, like, nonstop, dude. Full on. Yeah, and he was very funny. Yeah, he was. He could really, you know, string it out. Like, I watched a set of yours from 89 that's up online from the evening at the Improv. And, Uh-oh. like, no, 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 no. That, but see, the weird thing is, is that I haven't talked to many comics like you because you're a rare thing that, you know, you, you, you guys like you don't happen all the time because it takes such amount of of perseverance and fearlessness to sort of, you know, get up there and start some lyrical fucking, you know, uh, storm of whatever it is you're going to do with with knowing full well that the audience is going to be like, what the fuck? Maybe for the whole set, right? and 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 you know you you have to rely on your wits and and just your your sort of focus to even build a momentum like even in that set at the evening at the improv it was like no one knew what you were doing that was what 89 80 90 mm-hmm. no one knew what the fuck you were doing right. and they just had to reckon with your own flow and i mean that takes an amazing amount of balls and i think that you know to find your own time zone up there is no small thing and then to to commit to it, uh, it you know it, it's a it's a blessing and a curse right
1: uh i'll tell you what right now man i heard every word you just said you yeah. got me put me down for 20 dollars
0: yeah you, where's you're that in? donate tab yeah, yeah
1: <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's correct but the key word you mentioned which uh shows you how in tune you are to everything but especially what i'm doing which is great it's exciting uh you mentioned lyrics or lyrically perseverance lyrical well per- perseverance uh yeah, I think that you have to. Well, I just want to say something about lyrically. Yeah, I try to get, uh, I try to draw a blank and then get some music rolling in my head. Right now, don't get me wrong. I have jokes just like everybody else, and yeah. then I have some rambles that are supposed to be funny. Yeah. I'm not up there for the sake of being weird. The proudest thing that I know of is in 31 years of doing stand-up. People have hated me viciously. Why or loved? Uh, because I think that I'm just up there. It's like uh, they don't the know truth. To, they it's, don't know
0: what to do with you either. They
1: don't know what to do, but also some of it gets very philosophical. It's just the truth, because I'm just going, just be silly, and it's and, and I'm showing them that, hey, you don't have to be cool. I'm certainly not. You don't have to be hip. I'm certainly not. And then the rest of it's more like it offends somebody's assi- uh, senses. When they've paid money, and then you out there, you're out there and they think you're on drugs, you know? Right. But sometimes... And you've seen this. Yeah. Sometimes they act like... Make us laugh. Yeah. I don't think we were ever there to make them laugh... I
0: I tend to agree with that. I I don't think that. Yeah, I think that the that I'd say most comedians would say no. That is the job. But I I think that it it seems that you know people like you or myself, and I don't do what you do. But the 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 more important thing was to have a real experience, a real moment, to have something happen on stage that'll never happen again. You know, whether or not it's it's you know a a punchline or it doesn't matter. Just to walk off stage and go,
1: that's never going to happen again. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And you know what? That will hold you back more than anything. If you I, you're move, absolutely right. Yeah, and if you want to move to LA, and get into show business, that will hold you back more that's than be, anything. Well,
0: I have to assume that once you got down here, you know, given the notoriety that you had sort of built up in San Francisco, that what happens when you come down here is they want to box you. So they're like, uh, "Oh, you're the wacky guy who's gonna, you know, dance around in, in, in his underwear." Right. Like they got no way to really assess what it is that you know you're trying to do right they just like they're just right, trying right. to figure out
1: how do we fit them into the garbage hump the the, the, the garbage heap right, right that we're
0: dumping into people's living rooms they're, every
1: week right what can we trim off this guy besides his beard head you yeah. make him fit into the uh they think they know you and the weird fucking thing
0: about it and i don't know if you had this experience is that you get down here after building your thing you built your fucking thing and they're like well you know, well you'd be perfect in this uh in this thing for with this guy because you're that guy, and then for a minute there, you're like, I, okay, yeah, I guess I am that guy. For a minute. Yeah,
1: yeah, and then you try to be that guy, and you're like, what the fuck? For a minute, and then the next day, you wake up, and yeah. you put your feet over yeah. to put your feet on the ground from your bed, and then yeah. you just start vomiting horribly, yeah. coughing up blood, and you know you don't have food poisoning, and then you stop and think, oh, it was that meeting I had yesterday yeah. at, over at- uh, yeah." NBC. Yeah, my ass is bleeding. What happened over there? <laughs> I've got some money in the bank. <laughs> I've got the money in the bank. But
0: <laughs> my ass is bleeding.
1: I don't even think I have enough. That's not enough money to go see a doctor for something horribly wrong I have now.
0: <laughs> if my, the, yeah, the death of my soul. Yeah, de- my, my soul has the cancer. Death of,
1: the death of my soul. Yeah. To encapsulate when I move down here. And then I move back. Oh, well, not move back up. I'm still here. First set of shows I did when I moved uh, back up north. I go, hey, man, I don't know. People are in the audience go, Rube, what do you live down here for? And like, I don't know, man. You know what? I woke up one morning and I said to myself, I'm tired of hanging out in the most beautiful city on the planet. I think I'm going to move to L.A. and start hanging out with some of the most sincere people in the world. Uh-huh. And I talk about, hey, you know, I got pulled over by the Hollywood police. Put down your hopes. Step away from your dream. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is the thing is, somebody like yourself, you wouldn't you wouldn't uh kowtow to that, hey Mark, you know what you need to do. You gotta put on a Nehru jacket I, 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 I want I, you to cut that hair.
0: I did I've worn Nehru jackets, but it was my own choice. But I but the, <laughs> the thing is is that I didn't know how. I, you know, it's like I was more than open to listen to what they thought I was. You think
1: that you were? No, I wasn't
0: because I just didn't know how. I was yeah, not. Yeah, but they're
1: telling you how. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you wouldn't do it. Nah, it feels it is, sick. It does feel a little sick. It yeah. feels sick. See, that's why this is genius. Because I went into my garage and I cut a bumper car in half and made a love seat. You go into your garage and you build a following for yourself. Yeah. I'm an idiot.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Where's the bumper car?
1: Well, it's a nice... Ca- I mean, it's in my studio in Hollywood. It's, it's nice, you know. <laughs> That's not nothing. <laughs> but it doesn't sell tickets. I know. Don't you have people coming up now just to see Mark Marin? Yeah. But what, by, by that I mean, and a lot of people don't understand, I, if, if I get some shows yeah. and the crowds, they're there, hey, that might be good, but they've got no clue what they're about to get into. Right. And, uh, uh, and nowadays, if you walk two people used to be nothing nowadays if you walk two people you get fired on the second night i can't have that hey, they're gonna go to yelp right now and right.
0: write a bad review Is that happening? to you yes well let's let's talk about let's go back so you're bartending you're yeah. the last uh, on the on the bartending train at, at the holy city zoo now I, i've talked to some people who remember the zoo in its heyday i've talked to pearl i've talked to robin but the holy city zoo was like a club that sat like 12 people you know it was in San Francisco and it was this like amazing comedy incubator now is that so you when you came from Arizona is that the world you entered
1: <clears throat> yes but um what what happened was I'll tell you what happened was I went down there one night to get into an open mic night this is what I saw I saw people standing around out front going, hey I backed over uh <laughs> one of those plastic garbage cans with my car. I didn't even see it, man. I went right over with my wheel. Do you think that's funny? And then I saw... <laughs> seriously, I saw guys working things out. And I'm like... Oh, fuck it, man. This isn't... I don't want this. This is bullshit, man. This is San Francisco. Come on. The whole thing should be a party. I don't want to rehearse. I want to be Hunter Thompson. I want to be uh, Jackie Gleason. Just give me some drinks and point me to the stage, man. And uh, I walked away. Now, in my head, I'm thinking don't you're gonna want to do this so don't move back anywhere don't move to tucson don't move to west virginia whatever you're gonna want to do this so it took a year a year later i did want to do it so i was able to get on a bus rather than worry about a plane ticket and then i went down there and everything was different so i started doing the holy city zoo you know because the other thing i remember was uh bruce springsteen on the cover of newsweek and time at the same thing and The one thing that always stuck out to me was in one of those articles, he said, I was always a rock star. He said, I crashed on couches, I borrowed some money, it wasn't embarrassing to me, and I paid everybody back. Now, 30 years later, I'm the same way. The only embarrassing thing is, uh, not counting you, but a lot of people in this town do the quick math, I got like, you know, $30,000 I got to pay back. Yeah, but I still believe I can uh, hit the big top mark. Well, I think you big can't, time. I, I mean. I,
0: I'm not. I, I'm on board, Bob. Let's talk about the 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 uh, the the rolling and tumbling <laughs> through 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 the last twenty years, Bob. Oh
1: my goodness! Wow. So like
0: like when you were at the zoo, so you would watch Rob and you'd watch Steve, and you know there was definitely that sort of uh, amazing. What I think what was great about San Francisco is that the the city was very. Uh, enabling of indulgence and they liked people to sort of push the envelope and take risks and and, and do weird shit. It's like, it, it really is one of the only cities that is, at that time was sort of like, hey man, if, if he's going to put it out there, we'll take it in. And you're like, a, you're becoming a, a local uh, a local fixture.
1: Right. The, people, old, the, the old Rube. Right. And people are going around t- saying, oh, by the way, the old Rube, let me tell you something. One day, I'm uh, playing cards in my flat with two friends of mine and I'm just making them laugh, goofing around, making them laugh. And then um, there uh, we had the music playing and uh, cranked. Mm-hmm. This was at 4 in the afternoon. Uh, one of those uh, two flats. We were on the upper flat. Yeah. So uh, this woman downstairs, she's freaking out. I was like, it's, t- it's 2 in the afternoon. She goes, I got a baby. I was like, but we're all babies. You know, it's 2 in the afternoon. And <laughs> yeah. So then I said to her, uh, uh, so that night, uh, I got my friends and we got robes and um, candles and we started doing fake Gregorian chants. Yeah. And I knocked on our door. Can we borrow your baby for like 10 minutes? Yeah. And then she called the guy that owned the building and somehow we got evicted for that. Uh-huh. I don't know how that- Scaring
0: was. a woman with a baby no, with we, a fake satanic idea?
1: How, how can you say that? We didn't you know, threaten her. It was, just, it was just a suggestion. It could have been Halloween.
0: So you're out of that flat.
1: Hey. If there was somebody on the radio telling us how to get out of a DUI and scaring a baby for ritual sacrifice, we would have hired him. You know, yeah. we probably would have got away with it. <laughs> Not so anyhow, thing. I'm I'm joking around, like, you know, uh, we were stoned and like, what do you want to get to eat? And I just kept rambling. Hey, you get to get that big old plate of hash browns. Yeah, I just kept rambling there. Yeah. So then we go to uh, work that night, and uh, one friend was a uh, the doorman, and he said. Uh, he goes, you got to do that routine, man. The hash I'm browns at, routine, huh?
0: The hash browns routine. Yeah,
1: and I'm going, what routine? He go the hash browns routine. And I said that's not a routine. We were just joking around, and I go up, and he comes walking towards the stage, like, yeah, do it. Got to do it. Yeah. Do it. So I just went into it, and uh, place fell out.
0: Really, just the repetition of hash browns. The
1: repetition, and then the uh, extensions, and a just dis- you know describing uh, the differences. Uh, uh, different uh, adjectives and all that yeah and it was also a part of the style back then if you knew how to do it yeah it doesn't exist really too much now the but...
0: building on the absurdity
1: yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah it doesn't exist too much now no not too much now and so, i know one guy that does it the guy who opens for me does it but it's it's it like it's a tough one you know and it's it's i i miss it i miss seeing that shit
1: well i have continued to push forward yeah uh with it and i found out while continuing i mean and by that i mean new material mm-hmm. and by continuing to push forward with it the entire earth has continued to push me out so <laughs> i'm uh if i could just get enough money together i'm gonna probably get one of those astronaut suits or something man <laughs>
0: where they'll appreciate
1: you oh i'm going on a journey <laughs> you're needed
0: in space bob
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's what i keep telling myself when the phone isn't ringing Well, I tell you, I was performing at the Holy City Zoo. And then, uh, so I built up a couple of those uh, heavily modulated, you know, like definite way out there. Yeah. For like 15 minutes. Yeah. Then I would go into, uh, I had some sort of thing to break that part up. Then I'd go into me. So I got to the point where I really couldn't follow me. It was like the first six months of stand-up versus the next year and a half. So I became this the whole time. That was fun. And then uh, what was funny was I was sitting with Goldthwait one day. In san francisco and i said to him i go you know i always thought it'd be funny to go out
0: oh he was there too i
1: forgot about that he came out in what like the 80s right yeah yeah, yeah. and i said to him i go you know i always thought it'd be funny to go out uh, a couple things go uh you know you go out and you have to say something like hey yeah. welcome how's everyone doing so i said i just thought it'd be funny to go out and go lighten up everybody the old rubes here yeah like Oh, finally. You know, the guy that knows everybody's waiting to see him. But reality is, y- you try to avoid eye contact if you catch him two blocks down the street. Yeah. You know, everybody, like, a, I could lead a room of Jethro's if I was in a room of Jethro's. And then the other thing was, I would start off fast and maniacal with these deep, long rambles. And I wanted to give the feel of like I was in the middle of a 45 minute set. Right. You came in on the middle. Right. I just thought that was hysterical. Yeah. Now, I had some other i was toying with some other ideas but here's what's funny as far as uh trying to find some uh rearranging the chords right you know, yeah infinite amount of chords infinite amount of notes but look at all the great different music we have right yeah well i read uh, those notes that mark twain sent to his a daughter i think yeah and he's talking about the same thing yeah it's crazy man it's yeah just, it's just crazy the same uh, thing
0: as what you're talking about
1: yeah, like yeah. You know, starting off like a house, you know, switching, right, the, switching the rhythms that people are used to in, when they go to see a show. Right. And then he said whenever people were talking. Because he was a performer. He was a performer. Yeah. A, a brilliant performer. Yeah. And he did the simple thing, which we forget to do to this day. I, I don't think I've ever done it. What? He would continue to talk, but he would lower his voice each time until eventually people just. Had to bend in. Yeah, what's that guy talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they stop talking with each other. That's really smart.
0: Yeah, you know. So you were very aware of of your style, and and very well. And you were very, you, you knew what you wanted to do, and you you know you had this sort of like you had, you you're an, you were uh, an orchestra leader, the orchestra of Bob.
1: Right. Exactly. That's, <laughs> yeah. a, that's a great way to put it.
0: Yeah. Where did the uh, like? I've watched you've you've addressed your demons, yeah, uh, at length, in many different formats. Oh yeah, and uh, you know you've you. I, I don't know what if you've negotiated with them to the point where life is tolerable.
1: Well, I fell in love. I have a beautiful woman who loves me. Yeah, and t- true love. Yeah, and I'll tell you, some people um have to wait to page two two forty six. <laughs> I found true love on page eighteen, man. Yeah, incredible. I was really down and out. I lo this one I still have my apartment. I recently lost my apartment of uh eighteen years. In, here in LA? I'm still here in LA, but I I'm, i live in uh the El Nita or all you need is sixteen bucks a night and the will to live. Are you living there? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I had this killer pad, man. Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. You gotta have sanctuary, mm-hmm. you know. And I lost it. No big deal. Things will turn around. What was my point? Oh. Demons. Yeah, I'm laying on my couch in the fetal position, probably for three weeks. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you. One day, I'm laying there in the fetal position, and my mom's hands and uh, face, like out of one of those Sand Demon movies, appeared and kissed me on, on my forehead. And I bolted upright and went, whoa! <sighs> Doing that, trying to catch my breath. It was very real. Yeah. And uh, I was like, uh, took it as a sign from my mom. Get up, get up. Is you're on done? Get yeah. up, son. And then from that point on, I started doing uh, Dana Gibson's room out in Hillhurst. And right,
0: it, what happened to that woman? Is she around still?
1: Yeah, she's out in uh, Santa Monica. I don't know what your day's looking like, but it's beautiful. If you want to do a little beach volleyball <laughs> with me later, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I haven't
0: heard that name in a while.
1: Yeah, she's doing fine. Uh, She's out in Santa Monica.
0: So well, I guess the, the the ultimate question is is that over the course of your career and you know, like I've known it, you know, so it's a it's out there, that you know, you, you either had uh, you had good Bob or bad Bob. Oh on, sure on, on any on any given night. You talk about on stage. Well yeah, and you know, the how much was uh, how how much fuel had Bob ingested oh, to try sure. to get back to old Bob. Sure. <laughs> And, and what what has that struggle been like man the well, booze
1: i knew what you were talking about well um a lot of it i'm not uh, i'll tell you everything you want okay because they warned me you were going to get hard with me no i ain't gonna get they hard warned me hey, you, me. I'm, i just want you to be comfortable you didn't get hard i'm just joking this is the most comfortable i've ever been like i said no one's asked me a question in six years yeah and I've answered a lot of them. I'm
0: having a great time. I talked to somebody recently who saw you do an hour and said it was fucking genius. So, I mean, obviously, it's still percolating, and obviously, you're still who you are. But, I mean, how, how, well, did, how did... Here's you... the demons.
1: The demons were, um, uh, yeah, I just got... I I started to drink a lot, you know, because uh, I wanted to be like Jackie Gleason. And then uh, what happened was I started probably to drink too much. And you can believe this or not believe this didn't drink before I went up on stage but the thing was because of my mania uh, when I got off that stage good or bad you want yeah I, I had to stay up keep it going I wanted to keep it going I was like come on come on where is everybody yeah. come on man and then the next thing you know I'd be drinking till you know uh, 11 o'clock the next morning I'd sleep all day barely get up to go do my show and then uh, the show suffered because I was exhausted, and you could see this right all the way down, man, and and just the sweat pouring sweat. out, the booze <laughs> sweat, and people, and then I'd get angry, man. I'd get angry. I "I will send you out of here in record time," you yeah. know. And
0: uh, so you're walking rooms.
1: I was walking rooms, and um, it wasn't very good. But I, you know, I did a lot of fashion shows at the time too. I was a big, good-looking guy back then never walked a fashion show uh uh you know when when i felt that the respect needed uh, i was there for it and um
0: but, but do you think you fucked up
1: uh yeah probably i think i fucked up yeah i think i fucked up but not when you consider but okay i fucked up but here's the thing the guy to tonight's show is like yeah well what's with the character what's with the beer in there and my manager at the time said, no. That's him. who he is. <laughs> That's who he is. And by the way, uh, a lot of those times where people saw me drink too much uh, would, would have been up in the Bay Area where I had a wild, wild following. And I, I could go on the Bennett show and then say, hey, I'll be playing uh, at a sewer on uh, 9th and Irving. Yeah. And there'd be 300 people show up at that sewer. Yeah. And and then uh, the other thing was it got too crazy and I knew it wasn't going to last. and I, And I didn't have you know, I'm a humble guy. I'm a nice guy. I like to see everybody having fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah. you know? Now, here's what's interesting. In 85, I did Comedy Day in the Park. 40,000 people there. I've got this video, man. It's kind of sad because Warren's standing right next to me. And uh, and
0: he's passed. People, and he's passed, he?
1: Yeah. yeah. He had a lot of, yeah. a lot of demons, yeah. you know? But um, Doug Kehoe's introducing me. 40,000 people. People in Golden Gate Park for the free comedy show on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, uh, they go, "This the next gentleman." And they knew, it. and the whole crowd is chanting, "Rube, Rube." You know, it's like they're not booing; they're saying, "Get off the, get off the stage."
0: Get Rube on there.
1: Get, yeah, they're going, they're going, they're going, Rube, and you can see warnings. There. They love you, man, Rube. So I go out and uh, dressed a homemade thing, dressed like a pink poodle. I had on white overalls. Now, this is the weird thing. I took cotton balls and sprayed them <clears throat> with pink uh, uh, can of spray uh, spray yeah. paint and glued them. Mm-hmm. So now I got spray paint and glue. <laughs> now I had built this homemade frame out of wood and, uh, and uh, two heavy poles that you get like at Home Depot. Yeah. And then from it, I hung out of, uh, uh, you know, that type of piping that you find under a sink so you can, it bends. Yeah, yeah. It makes a circle. Yeah. I made a circle, hung it to this thing. Then I took uh, bath towels, chicken-wired it, soaked them in lighter fluid. And in the park, I practiced jumping through it, not lighting it up, so I had one chance to get it right. <clears throat> and, uh oh, it's bringing tears to my eyes. Yeah. I had one chance to get it right, and I go flying through this hoop, big stage. And I couldn't see anything because there was way too much lighter fluid. Yeah, And I'm a human torch ready to go up. And I go through there. The, th- the bottom part, it burned off as I jumped through, and the thing lands on me. And now my costume's on fire. So two guys with, um, uh, what do you call it? fire extinguishers come in, and it's that white stuff. Yeah. So that just kept spraying spraying, and I'm reaching my hand, because what that white stuff does is suck oxygen out of the immediate area. So I stood up, and I couldn't breathe, you know, <laughs> and I was standing around, and I had to go out and finish the set, which... I did. It, Forty
0: thousand b- people saw
1: that happen. Forty thousand people saw it happen. I, the next year, but I want to make a point to that. But let me tell you, next year I'm sitting backstage. I'm just going to go out and do a set. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of bummed. I wanted to do something big. Yeah. Because the whole point of that was, why would you do something like that? You know, which was later uh, expanded upon by Jackass, right? Yeah. Well, anyhow, um, I'm sitting backstage and I, I don't have anything to do. My friend's a little girl's about three years old. She's hanging around. And I said to my friend, "Can I borrow your daughter?" She goes, "Yeah, sure." And I had a funny idea. And I took a, I took a tablecloth off one of those banquet tables, tied it around my neck like a sling, and I put her on it. And her, cute little, she was dressed in her Sunday best with patent leather shoes, little doily socks, cute as a button. And I sit her there. So basically, she's blocking my chest. Yeah. So I walk out on stage after they introduce me, and uh, I'm doing throwaway jokes on purpose. Uh, like I'm really nervous and then I go folks uh I I hate to bring this up on such a beautiful day like today but uh all week long I received several death threats uh warning me not to come out here today (laughs) uh but let me tell you something I love you people and nothing was going to keep me from coming out here of course You know, I'm not taking any chances. There was like three seconds of nothing. Now, before I walked out, people said, you can't do that. They're going to hate that. Three seconds of nothing, and then seven-minute laugh, the longest laugh I ever had, because it spread over (laughs) 40,000. It was fun. My point was, when you do stand-up for two years, and there are already 40,000 people chanting Rube, that's like walking on the moon in your first two years knowing it's not real. I didn't. I never had an ego. I was never. I, I, I never had an asshole. A lot of people didn't understand me. Some people were afraid of me because they'd go into a bar and they'd say, "Ah, uh, oh, I saw you, man." There were like eighteen empty glass shot glasses in front of you, and I, oh no, I was just building a mystique. Mm. I, I actually went around the bar and collected them, uh huh, and sat behind them. You, you yeah? did? No, no, I drank them. <laughs> you had a good time. Yeah, and see, I wanted it to continue to be a good time. And you know what? Even, like, in the green room, I I always remember It's just like everybody – and I would get stuff for everybody. You need some chicken wings. You need some – yeah, you you need something to drink. And then if I heard my name introduced, uh, I'll be right back. I just got to go do this thing. So
0: the the thing was, like, at that time in San Francisco with Bobcat and some of the other people, like, you know, acts that that had balls like that and that was unique – They just loved it. It was that time.
1: It was that time. And
0: so you got caught up in this shit.
1: Right, but interesting that you said that because we were aware. The reason we loved it is that we were aware it was that time. Like one time, I'm on stage at the Walnut Creek Punchline, and uh and I, and I knew one thing, take advantage of this. Look, mm-hmm. at the time, if I got a Letterman spot, I wouldn't have been pulling any of this stuff. And by the way, even in those days, you know those auditions you do where you actually get to do stand-up uh, in a club yeah. instead of going into a studio and trying to read? Well, I always figured, uh, you know, I always knew back then, I go, just because you're good doesn't mean they're going to pick you. But mm-hmm. well, make sure you're great that night, man. Walk off saying, well, I did my part. Nine out of ten of those, I uh, I did that. Yeah. Once I didn't, and that was a Saturday Night Live one. Man, I was like, I, I was gonna get in there as a writer, and they say, oh, they're having a, a rare middle of the season audition. You got to go to New York and do it. And uh, uh, Jay Moore, uh, the guy that used to do the news, what's that guy? Funny guy, Norm. man. Norm. got yeah. picked. Uh, a lot of great guys got picked that night.
0: And you did. You were where? Where, where did it happen?
1: Was it uh comic strip? Yeah. And yeah. what happened? <laughs> well, the show wasn't gonna start till everybody got there, which is uh uh Lauren and uh Marcy. Yeah, and the head writer at the time. They didn't Downey. Get there. Jim Downey, yeah. Well they didn't get there till late, so it's like oh already you got a dead crowd. Then you had to pick out of a hat and I picked nine out of ninth. So there was just basically them and three people left, but I had to go up. Wow. And I could see like uh guys with wooden legs rounding third trying to think they're going to be safe and just you know just the umpire go i mean Mm -hmm. the whole thing was disastrous it was so hard to get i cried when it was over i cried what'd you do up there i bombed. (laughs) i bombed man that was the 10 uh nine out of 10 and twice you know for montreal comedy festival took the house down and what's with that character and the and the boots and the yeah jesus god man can't a guy wear boots
0: <laughs> so you yeah you, 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 that didn't happen then you
1: wear shirts when you perform i do you uh, uh, nobody's complaining about that well you've mentioned mania. Nice shirts too
0: what about that are you are you bipolar guy
1: oh yeah, yeah 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 and uh a lot of us are becoming extinct uh, in the city because the ice caps are melting you know sure and um i uh Twice I did a show and doctors came out to me and they said, uh, this is two different times, not, you know, like back to back. This is probably five, six years in between. Yeah. Uh, a doctor would come up and say, uh, you need to see me. You need to come in my office and see me. I go, yeah, why's that? Oh, it's obvious you're suffering from bipolar mania. And my response always was, would you like me to sign something for you? <laughs> you know, and then the second one. She did want me to sign something. Yeah. You know, I was in <laughs> stay away camp. You know? You went in? Three days, nature films. For three straight days, I came out feeling pretty calm. You don't need the pills, man. Just watch nature films. and uh,
0: You checked in for a few days.
1: I was tricked into checking in because of the same thing, man. You know? Uh, yeah. But uh, that didn't help me. You know, like I said, you watch nature films for three days, and naturally you come out of there thinking... Hey, you know what? There's not one nature film that's scored by big band music. Yeah. That's all you get. Yeah. But you still feel like, oh, hi. hi. Yeah. I'm going to do a show. This show's going to last seven, maybe eight days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. So but you, I you, still have my general enthusiasm for the whole thing.
0: You never, got, you never got on
1: medicine. I did, yeah. How'd that work? It never worked. Yeah. It never worked. Um. And then what I would do was, when um, I hurt my career because I was making enough money, like in one show, yeah. where I could go hide for another three or four weeks, uh-huh. and see, I didn't want to, I would heard about the crazy things people do on Mania, I was afraid I might do that, although, I, you know what, to be honest with you, I was never actually afraid, I was just too thin-skinned at the time, and then when you go down, you're so depressed, and basically I can remember, should we talk about this stuff, or is yeah. it? Is it too boring? No, it's great. Okay. So uh, we uh, I remember sitting on my couch like this. Uh, here, let me get in closer to the mic. I'm sitting on my couch going, oh, my arms and uh, this, this uh, shoulder weighed 850 pounds.
0: This is when you were down. Yeah. yeah.
1: This shoulder weighed another 850. Could barely get finger movement. I look over, I go, hey. I tried to point too. I couldn't even get my finger up. I go, whoa. There are my books. Oh, my favorite books. No, I can't read those. Mm. Hey, look. Uh, Look at all the music I have. No, I can't listen to that. Well, I've got a TV and I've got a a DVD player and I could watch a movie. No, I couldn't. (laughs) You know, that's what it was like. That's what it was like. So, what happened? How long would
0: those last?
1: Uh, those could last up to two years you know really oh yeah between mania yeah two years fuck and and what happened was i'd say it took away 10 11 years of my life and i was left alone and then but the thing i did a good job of hiding it yeah um uh because the 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 larger than life type of character the old rube thing yeah that was not intended for hiding something like that you know when i did that back in started to do that it was just fun and natural yeah and I told you the reasons yeah uh, I was making some friends laugh number one Hitting, hanging around with Bobcat going you know it'd be funny a and guy
0: who thinks it's also your style you knew what your style was right yeah.
1: it al- always worked as my style and, and I still uh do it to some degree but with new material you yeah know? so how did that how, how did you hide the sadness uh, well I just hold up i hold up and then the next thing you knew uh, i was homeless you know i lost my apartment and um you know it's just uh, and then you couldn't enjoy anything so yeah. how the hell are you going to generate new material yeah see that really worried me and then your your family goes oh he's turned his back on us yeah <laughs> and um you know it's a it's a if i was in a full body cast in the hospital, yeah. S- somebody from my family might come in and go. There's something wrong. What happened? Were you in an accident? You sick? <laughs> That's you sh- a
0: rough thing about growing sh- up with doctors, man.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, my <laughs> dad, man, he would. Yeah. He never. He never yeah. go to a doctor. Yeah. One time I was back there uh, when I was still in Arizona, and I was in a hotel room. I walked in the hotel room. and his mom were in, and uh, him and my mom were in this hotel room. And my dad's like beating on his leg. And my mom's looking at me like. And then he realizes that we're both looking at him and he immediately went into the Charleston. Oh. <laughs> that died the fact that. And then. Uh, what was wrong with his leg? A week later, he collapses in the shower. Fortunately, I was home. I dragged him out. We called the ambulance. Immediate, immediate surgery. They took out a, a, a tumor pressing on his spine that was fortunately benign, which you. Hey, that's going to be my new musical. <laughs> what the fuck happened to my family? Yeah. But had it gone on for much longer maybe if he didn't even get to the hospital when he did that day he'd have been paralyzed from the waist down
0: holy shit so just don't go to the doctor so how do you so where are you at now with it you know bobby i mean you're living in this uh, sro is that where you're living
1: oh i'd love to get back to sro <laughs> they used to do that at the punchline man i ate three shows a night sro standing room only
0: oh, that was show
1: a- talk S R
0: O single room occupancy. Oh,
1: that's right. <clears throat> well,
0: what are you doing about the illness?
1: Well, I'm uh, I'm under wonderful treatment. You know, I should I should have known this because I went into this is years ago, man. I walked into the mental health care clinic, and you know, it's the only building in this town where I ever walked into, and they said you're perfect, and <laughs> and you know what? Yeah, they're helping me a lot. They are now. Yeah. Well, that's good. I feel real good. Good. And prior to going there, I was fighting it on my own, and I had my good moments.
0: Some bad and, years, though.
1: Well, I, uh, 10 years of my life was taken away, though so I'm I'm trying to build an audience again. I I started a web thing. I don't want to get too technical about it. Go ahead, man. Well, I, I've got a show called Banana Land. Okay. And it's at bananaland.tv. TV. Okay and you could download everything there to play on your different iPods and all yeah. that, but it's not on iTunes. It's just silly. Um, nobody should do what you do because nobody does it better than you, <laughs> and I'm certainly not going to do it. Yeah. And um,
0: well, I appreciate that.
1: No, it's true, man. It, seriously. It's true. It's so easy. I could talk for hours and hours here.
0: Are you doing stand-up too?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I've never stopped doing stand-up, and I always worked on new material and all that, you know, I'm the only guy that you could think of, you know, as far as your generation, my generation, yeah. a generation just a half inch before us, a generation a half inch after us, that's never done a late night uh, chat show. Yeah. And like Billy Connolly, you know, I was in a movie with him and uh, I ran into him after a performance and I'm like, hey, Billy, oh, I, I was with a friend of mine and I had a TV set, you know, like a four and a half minute set on a DVD. And I was with my friend Elena. Because I'm like, I'm going to schmooze. Said, when are you, this would have been my... It was a 20-year mark. Yeah. So I said, you know, I'm not here to not work and yeah. get things done. Once every 20 years, I will schmooze. Yeah. And I went up to Billy and wasn't going to do it. She's like, oh, Bob has... Okay. So I, I Bill, I hate to do this. Dustin Hoffman was standing right next to him, you yeah. know, and it's uh reception. And then, hey, do you think you could get this to uh, Craig Ferguson and help me get on the show, man? He's like... Sure, Rube, no problem. And then, a half hour later, when I'm walking out, he stops me and he goes, Rube, I'm going to put in a good word for you, big time. But I I don't think that he did, or they hate me. Uh, But, you know, I'm going to try to get... um, Well, I'd like to do Conan or Ferguson. I'm just not sure the path to take. I'm not represented by anybody right now. I'm working on a book, which is fun. And so I'm going to try to just build my online good uh, man yeah and i got some folk a lot of fans from the boondock saints movie i was in they're already up on the internet stuff what know. was that movie well in 1999 they put this movie out called the boondock saints it's about these two vigilante brothers that clean up crime in boston great movie but when it was about to be released uh it was when the columbine shooting happened so it got blackballed. Well while the producer ends up at some point later getting it into blockbuster and uh then uh it just becomes a word of mouth wild hit to this day it's in the top 20 of most rented dvds you know along there were star wars and all that and you got a lead in that no uh uh, i did the sequel okay and i had a funny character but a gangster yeah and i'm the only gangster that lived in two uh out of the two movies oh good so um (laughs) but i had a gangster and a crazed meth i did a movie with sonny barger yeah sonny barger and the hell's angels yeah they're getting into the movie business now. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, if people listen, if they would just go to San. Do you
0: remember you from the old days? <laughs> <laughs> from San Francisco, Oakland.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, he tried to. He tried to like you know go. Uh, he goes, uh, hey, why don't you go get me a canary? Why don't you go get me a canary? Like, hey, those days were long ago, Mister Barger. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, Rube. Shut up and go get me a canary.
0: I think that's the best way to end this I can think of.
1: I had a lot of fun. Thanks, buddy.
0: All right, folks, that's our show, The Rube. I'm glad he's uh, he's holding up and he's doing okay and he's back on top of stuff. It was great to talk to Bob Rubin. Go look him up. See what he used to be. See what he is now. Go to WTFPod.com. Get some merch for your holidays. I'm all jacked up, man. I'm going to go get a haircut. And I'm glad Monkey's doing better. I'm just going to keep hydrating him with wet food. And I'm going to add water to the wet food. I'm going to make sure his water is clean. And I'm going to give him love. And I'm going to try to hide my anxiety. Okay? That's what I'm going to do. Thank you all for coming to the Trippany House shows. I'm going to do more. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I don't think they're up on the website yet. I'll tell you that um, on uh, Monday. Monday. Felt a little scattered, I was in the moment though I lost my confidence
1: for like just like a couple of chords. Oh, boomer lives.